Thank you so much for joining me in this live broadcast today. If you're watching the live broadcast, it is wonderful to know that you are with us, um, you know, listening to this message of God's unconditional love, mercy and grace. I'm excited about the mercy of God. I'm excited about the goodness of God, for it's just simply an answer to in every area of life that produces peace and um, absolute joy in a person's life. Let's just pray together. Father, I want to thank you that we can be here together. Holy Spirit, thank you that you speak through me and touch the lives of people through this broadcast. I thank you that many people's lives will be impacted in a great way through this broadcast. I thank you that every web church member, every visitor to Dynamic Web Church today will be so filled and flooded with the revelation of what you've done for us in Jesus Christ. For that is the answer to every problem. Thank you for that, my God, in Jesus' mighty name. Holy Spirit, thank you to speak through me, touching the lives of people. Amen. Amen. Before we get into the Word, I would just like to bring uh, to your attention, that, uh, under your attention, our forum that we've got. We've got really some interesting discussions going on on the forum. It's dynamicministries.com forward slash forum. Or you can just go to our homepage and click on the forum button and go to the forum. Please register there, um, become a member and uh, contribute, you know, and give your opinion on some of the topics and issues that we've got there. Uh, we've got some interesting things. One of the questions we've got now is how do we, um, you know, what do we say to people that go through hard times, that prayed and they didn't get healed? Uh, what do we, uh, why do certain people that don't get healed if we pray for them? And there's some really uh, difficult uh, things, difficult questions to answer that we are looking at. So, it will be wonderful to have you there and just see what your opinion on that is. You might just come with some revelation that just blows our mind. It's like the one guy came and gave a revelation on fasting that just blessed me so much. Um, If you want to read on that, you can go to um, questions and answers on the forum and there will be a topic there, fasting, and you can go and have a look at that. That will really touch, uh, touch your life. <coughs> then, Vessel and I, we are going to Zambia tomorrow morning. We'll be away for two weeks. So, for all of you that, um, that get my daily messages, it will not be running for the next two weeks. Um, and for those of you that are friends with me on Facebook, that read the post that, that I um, put out there, it will not be there for the next two weeks. We are in Zambia. So, whenever you see that you're expecting a post and there's nothing, pray for us. Uh, we are going to Western Zambia, to a, close, to a place close to the Angola border, uh, called Kalabu. It's about 50 kilometers um, east of the border. Uh, it's literally, it is, it's such a poor, poor area. <coughs> um, this time of the year, you can't even travel there by car. We go with these small boats, with a little engine on, they put 20, 30 people on the boat, and then we... Uh, we travel like for 8 hours or 10 hours on that boat to get to the little town from Mongu. And Mongu is another 8 or 10 hours drive with a bus from Lusaka. And yeah, it's just a, quite, a, quite a distance to get there. It's, it's difficult to get there. But once we're there, we will be preaching, sharing the gospel of grace with church leaders. And always at these church leader conferences, we get people, people get saved um, because they invite just people from town. There's not many missionaries that go out to that town. There's been a Baptist missionary there um, for about three years and uh, he did some work there and left, went back to the, to the United States and uh, yeah, I, I think we are basically 
some of the few missionaries, if not the only missionaries that do go out to that area. Uh, and, well, thank God, you know, we're preaching the gospel of grace and people's lives are being impacted. And the church is growing. I, I hear, um, I spoke to uh, Jerry, the leader of the church there. He said that they've got about 150 members in the, in the main church. What they call, they call the churches branches. So they get the, the big church and then branches, or which is smaller churches that got started out of that one church. And they've got two other branches. And it's exciting to see that uh, Jerry's heart is open for this good news message. He's really a, 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 how can I say, a meek guy, a humble guy, loving the Lord, you know, loving um, to, he loves to preach the gospel and see people baptized, saved, healed, and whatever. So we will come back with, uh, with pictures of people being baptized, miracles, uh, people getting saved, and uh, we will have our, our video footage vessel now. We're going to preach together. So um, he's going to do some of the sessions and I'm really looking forward to that. So for those of you that want to pray for us and uh, whenever you think of us, just speak this gospel good news over us. I know it's over us, it's just a confirmation where two or three agree. So be in agreement with us concerning this. Thank you for, and then I want to thank all those people that did sponsor and help support this, you know, um, be it with large amounts, small amounts, doesn't matter. Thank you so much for what you gave. We, it's wonderful to see the, the gospel bearing fruit in the lives of people. You gave out of the abundance of your heart and I thank God for that. And we could uh, buy the two plane tickets and um, all the other expenses. The, the money is there for that. Thank you so much for that. Right, um, speaking on finances, let's go to First Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy chapter 6. What I'm going to say about money, I don't want you to fall into the law when I share this. You know, many times when we look at the, the, the writings of Paul, we must realize that he didn't just speak on um, the, the, the cross. He spoke on the cross. And a great deal of what he said was just on the cross. But if you go and look at the last two chapters of every um, <clears throat> book he wrote, he did write about deeds, good deeds. He did, because he knew it was such a natural outflow of this gospel, and that he could advise people in that, knowing it wouldn't be a law, but it would be an encouragement that finds its origin in the heart of a believer, because that is what the gospel of grace leads us to. Now, um, let's just, as a foundation for what, I, what I, for what I want to say about finances, let's go to Galatians chapter 5. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 5. Um, I thank God that the gospel of grace does have an effect. Um, if the gospel of grace was, was, was just a message of, well, I forgive you, you know, and I'm not angry with you, but you're going to continue with what you're busy with the rest of your life, you know, it wouldn't give me that much hope. I, I would have hope because I knew in the return of Jesus Christ things will change. But I thank God that there can be a change of mind there can be a renewal of mind, a renewal of, of spirit, a renewal of uh, what flows out of my belief system, a renewal of my heart, how I believe things, and out of that my life changes. And I can see uh, uh, you know, that I can be set free from fear. I can be set free from manipulation and control. Why do we always want to live under those things if there's a gospel that can set us free? So Paul was so confident in this gospel that he said, when you believe, these things will be in your life. 
Um, let's go to Galatians. You know, and I want to say it in the same way. Or, uh, let's leave that example. Let's go to uh, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. It says in verse 19, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, wrath, strife, sedition, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Now these is called, these things are called the fruit of being in the flesh. So it is the result of putting your trust in your own ability to receive salvation before God. So um, it, it is not um, things that people willfully go and do because they decide they want to do it. It is a fruit of something they believe. Now it goes on, he says in verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So Paul was actually coming and defending uh, the, 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 the Christian faith or believing in Jesus Christ by saying that it's not harmful and there's nothing wrong with it even towards the law. He didn't even have to write this. It wasn't necessary to write this. But what he was saying is that this is the fruit of believing. The fruit of believing is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. So if we want to turn this around, we make a law out of it. If we say, well, if you don't have these things in your life, there's something wrong with you, you already come into trouble. We don't do that. What we say is, all I want to say in this is, when we believe, we will find this fruit in our lives. I'm not saying, if you're a believer, try and produce this fruit in your life. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, and this is what Paul said, is, and this is where many churches fall into the trap of the law, where they start to mix grace with the law. Paul spoke about good works as an outflow of a revelation and a belief in the hearts of people. And he was very confident in that. He said here, he says, the fruit of being under the law are these things. And the fruit of being in the Spirit, believing in Jesus Christ, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, and against such there is no law. Now, one thing that I've seen that people struggle with here is long-suffering. People struggle sometimes, um, when it comes to belief, to have long-suffering, because they, they want perfection right now in the second. You know, and the long-suffering there doesn't talk about simply having long-suffering in the sense of, well, I'm standing at the queue, in the queue at the bank, and I'm just waiting there, and I'm willing to wait forever. It doesn't matter how many people push in front of me in the line, I stand there having long-suffering. Um, I believe that it does uh, help there giving you patience. Um, but the long-suffering it talks about here is that, that while we are Christians waiting for the return of Jesus Christ, we do it with patience. Amen. Because we're not under a law that says, if we don't see the full manifestation of things right now, we are sinners. We're not under that law. We are in this freedom, believing in the kingdom of God. And another problem that I see is that people are not preaching um, the kingdom of God. Jesus said, go and preach the gospel of the kingdom. What is the gospel of the kingdom? The gospel of the kingdom is not the gospel of you rule today. The gospel of the kingdom is this. All authority and all power has been given to one man, 
That man is Jesus Christ. All authority, all power has been given to that one man, Jesus Christ. And now he comes with all authority, all power, and he gives to you a command to go and preach the gospel. To believe on him and to preach the gospel to as many people as what you can. To share wherever you are. And so that people can believe in Jesus, so that when he comes and the fullness of his kingdom, he takes this kingdom that, is, that belongs to him and he hands it over to the Father, meaning that he gives the glory that he has to all people in their mortal bodies becoming immortal, in that day we will see perfection manifesting in everybody. And that is when the kingdom manifests fully in the lives of people. That's what the Bible also says. When you pray for a sick person and he gets healed, tell him the kingdom of God has now come. Here, in this area of your life, in healing, you've seen the kingdom of God come. But when Jesus comes in the power of his kingdom, what you see here will manifest in every area of your life including immortality. Now, that is, man, that is powerful, talking about the effects of believing in Jesus Christ. So, here he says that the, the, the effect of believing in Jesus is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Now, we should not try and do these things. What we can do as Christians is we can expect these things. When we believe in Jesus, we can expect that love will arise in our hearts. Joy will be ours. Peace will be ours. In other words, they, they will not, we will not walk with this emotion of being indebted all the time. We will have long suffering. We will have gentleness, goodness, faith. We will have meekness, easily to agree, easy to agree with God. Temperance, against such there is no law. And then it says in verse 24, And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. So, I mean, if you just read that part, you can say, well, Paul was, was hammering the law on me. Paul was not preaching the law. He was preaching the fruit of belief. So that we as Christians can believe and say, well, thank God, you know. I, I, it, it was not just simply... Um, let me read here. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. So that we don't have a half a gospel that says, well, you know, we've only crucified the flesh. We are, we've only crucified the thing that we don't have to uh, be justified by our flesh. So the flesh man, the man that seeks justification by works, has been crucified. Now Paul says, this gospel is greater than that. It is so great that we've not just crucified the flesh, but also... The lusts of the flesh has also been crucified so that when we believe, we can, we can be persuaded. When we have faith, we, we're not only having faith saying, well, God, you know, you've died for me, for, for me uh, concerning the justification by the law, um, and that's it, so now, and that's the only effect you've had. No, no, there was a great effect. Jesus Christ, the power of the resurrection, resurrects you into a new way of living. It, in, it resurrects you into a freedom from the power of the flesh. So that we can expect a manifestation of love, a manifestation of joy, of peace, of long-suffering, of gentleness, goodness and faith. So that we don't have to, by our works, try and work that up. 
so that we can say that that has been included into this gospel of grace. And now, um, I, I want to put it this way. Um, if you go to... We, we're talking a little bit about finances. And you say, Beth, you haven't mentioned money once. You're right, you know, because we're talking about the fruit of something. For, uh, Second Peter chapter 1. I want to read from verse... Um, Verse 5, it talks about all things has been given freely to us, the first thing given, faith. Then he goes on and he says, and beside this faith now, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. And that was what Peter was saying, he says, listen, you've received faith that Jesus Christ came, died for your sins, forgave you, and that He will return, and when He returns, what it, the whole prophetic thing about the Jewish things is fulfilled in Christ, where He will rule this planet with His righteousness and with His glory, making everything as He is. Okay, now, it says, add to that. We can add to that. It, Add this to what Christ has done. Include this into what Christ has done. So I want to say it this way. The fruit of the Spirit, what is included in the package is love in your heart. What's included in this package is joy in our hearts, peace in our hearts, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Now when I hear this, I don't try to seek for these things. I know it's inside me. And I don't try to manifest these things. I know it's what is the desire in my heart comes up. And all I do is I walk with what naturally comes into my life. Amen. Now, with that in mind, let's go to Timothy. And that's why you'll find Paul always writing when it comes to these good works and all of that. It's at the end of his letter. He doesn't write it in the beginning, he writes it in the end, because he always, he would say it the way I'm saying it now. With this in mind, let's go and, 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 and check, check this out concerning giving. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, it says, Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. So now, Listen to this. He says, charge them that are in this world, that they be not high-minded. So, now, now it can sound as if you are saying, as if I'm saying, well, you know, you must now in your own power find the strength not to be high-minded. You've, you've been given money now, your obligation is not to be high-minded. No, I want to say it the way Peter said it. Add to your faith uh, meekness. Meekness is part of you, my friend. So, when you receive money, don't let money be a law unto you saying you are what you, what you get financially. Because if that, if that is a law in your heart, the more blessed I am financially, the more I am, uh, uh, the higher I, or the more holy I am, that gain is godliness, the more I gain, the more godly I am. Because if that is a law in your mind, you will start to be high-minded and think better of yourself than what you ought to think. Not that I'm saying you should think nothing about yourself, but this is what it says. Not trusting in uncertain riches. 
So, don't put your trust in who you are and, and, and your future in uncertain riches. So, if you are rich, now I want to just define rich. Um, it says, then that are rich in this world. They are those that got stuff. Now, I, I know in the early 90s, they said that the average income was something like a dollar a day per person. A dollar or two dollars, I'm not sure. Per day, per person. That's the average income. Now, let's make it four dollars today. Uh, per person, per day. Um, the average income of every... If you, if you take everybody on the planet, the income, you divide it through the amount of people, you'll find what the average income is. If you get more than four dollars a day, you are above average. Okay. Right. <laughs> you might say badly, but that's not the way of reasoning. Well, I just think it's, it's good to see what is the average income because many people struggle and they think that they are very poor. And they are not that poor. It says, Charles, and they are rich in this world. Now, let's talk about rich as you think of rich. You know, three cars, house, all those type of things. That they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. So, I want to say to them, to you guys that's got money out there, and I also see myself as rich, um, we should not be high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. It's like a friend of mine who was doing a business deal and it looked like he was going to make five million and then he now he's going to make one and a half million or two million. And he said to me, Bertie, why does these things happen? What's wrong? I mean, the problem was, was not why does these things happen. The problem is we can't put our trust in that money. Because today it's 5 million, tomorrow it's 1 million, the day after it's 10 million. It's just the way it is. It's uncertain riches. And if God said it's uncertain, my friend, it's uncertain. Right. Who gives us richly all things to enjoy. That you be good. That they do good. That they be rich in good works. Ready to distribute, willing to give. Now that is the word of God towards those that does have money. The first thing is, remember, the, the word of God to every person is this. God has given you all things that pertains to life and godliness as a free gift. He's given to you faith. He's given to you His righteousness as a free gift. And He's given to you His grace, empowering you into the very being of God. And you can add to your faith love, joy, peace, long-suffering, meekness, kindness, temperance. That's all the things you can expect from believing in God, manifesting in your life. Hallelujah. And those of you that are rich in this world, you know, and I, like, like I said, I include myself. In, uh, verse 18 says, I, t- uh, Paul told Timothy, tell those people to do good and that they be rich in good works. So, I want to tell you, God has graced you with finances. God has graced you with the ability to give. God has graced you with compassion for people already. All that Paul was basically saying to Timothy is, encourage those people to be themselves. That is all. And I want to encourage you, with this, out of the scriptures today, as I encourage myself and say, that what we can expect, and the way we live as rich people, is that we are rich in good works. By doing what? Being ready to distribute. Willing to give extravagantly. That's the word to communicate. If you read it in the... In the um, in the message it says to give ex- extravagantly. So, what do we do? We, as rich people, we, we come and we look at what we have. 
We don't look at what we try to get. We don't have this mindset of, I, I don't have, I must still get. But we live free from the bondage of being stingy. Free from the bondage and the uh, dictation that comes from finances. And we say, we, we expect, and that's who we are. We are people that has got great compassion on the poor. We've got love in our hearts. And how will the love of God dwell in us if we don't allow it to manifest in our lives? So, by the grace of God, I live who I am. Amen. And that is what I want to tell every person listening to me today. If you see yourself as rich, if you see, thank you, God has made me rich, I've got, I've got contentment in my heart, I want to, um, I want to tell you, be good and, 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 and be also rich in good works. Be ready to give. In other words, have, go with a willing heart. When you go to a place, go with a willing heart saying, what can I give here? For this is the gift God has given me. It's like me, I'm a preacher. When I go to a place, I'm looking for a preaching opportunity. For that is who I am. That is what I do best. That's what God has gifted me with. So, that's what I do. The other day I preached a business, businessman meeting and the guy came to me and said to me, Bertie, I feel that the Holy Spirit um, is, is, is telling me that we shouldn't preach now. We should first pray for the baptism in the Holy Spirit and all of that. Well, I'm not there for that. I'm a preacher. I've come to preach the gospel. I said to him, we can do that afterwards. But now is the opportunity for me to preach. If, if I've come here, if I've been invited to come here, God wants me to preach here. So I want to preach. And I preach and people's lives were so touched. Next Sunday, I'm, I'm not going to be here and we're going to broadcast that message for you guys. Um, where I preach at that businessman meeting. Please go and watch it. It was so, so powerful. People's lives got so impacted by that. So we, we live and look for an opportunity to live what we've been gifted with. The manifestation of who we really are. Amen. When I go to Zambia now, I want to preach this gospel. I want to lay my hands on the sick. I want to see those things manifest and happen. That's what I want to do. That's my, my heart's desire and my passion is to do that. That's what I've been gifted with. And those people need what I've got in my heart. In the same way, if you are rich, my friend, um, it says you're ready to distribute. When you go somewhere, don't go with, with this mentality of, well, you know, um, let's, not, let's not talk about money because, you know, money is such a touchy issue. No, there's deliverance and freedom for every one of us to be who we really are and to use what we have. Thank you, Jesus, for that. So, if you guys, uh, if you go to a place, if you go to your church, if you see somebody in the street, if you, uh, if you, uh, is part, if you're part of a ministry and you feel your heart to give, man, give. That's who you are. God has made you rich. Be ready to give. And when you give, like it says here, and be willing to be ready and willing. In other words, make sure you can do it and be willing to do it. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't it wonderful to, to, to preach on finances and not um, judge people? Saying, well, if you give this, then God's going to bless you and all those type of things. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you that as I'm going to minister about spiritual warfare, that people will understand your word in such a great way, that they will have wisdom and understanding in who we are in Christ, and that power will flow through people's hearts and minds. And they will say, we are standing in a war, and that war is to keep in the simplicity of, keep to the simplicity of the gospel, believing what Christ has done for us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go to um, Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. 
Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 6. And um, I've, I've, I've read through some of these verses many times. I'm going to go through it just quickly, refreshing your minds. There might be people that's watching this for the very first time. You don't know what spiritual warfare is all about. Maybe you think spiritual warfare is about binding devils over the town, you know, cleaning your house and all those things. You know, the other day a lady phoned our offices and, and, and she got hold of, a, of a, a DVD that they call a house cleaning DVD. And that's got nothing to do with vacuum cleaners and, and all of that. It's got to do with checking as if any of the portraits in your house, any of the ornaments, tables, whatever, has got demon spirits in them or comes from the Far East, because they believe, you know, everything that's evil comes from the Far East. Oh man, I tell you, poor people in the East, you know, they, they so judge sometimes. Um, because they've got demon spirits and this and that and whatever, and if they come from an origin that's bad, there's a curse on that thing, and if it's in your house, then there'll be a curse over your house and all of that nonsense. Uh, so, th- th- this DVD goes, goes around in South Africa, it's in Afrikaans. Man, I tell you, it's just sweeping the nation in a great way. And sh- sweeping through the nation, because what happens is there's like this revival in South Africa where many people come to the faith, where they start to believe in Jesus Christ. Now, these people, they, they get saved, in other words, they come and they believe, well, they, they leave their sin, they start to believe on Jesus Christ. They don't have an understanding of the gospel of grace. And now this... This DVD spreads like wildfire because these people now got saved. Now they want to do something for God. And now what they want to do for God is they want to get rid of every type of sin and negative thing that they could ever be part of. And now they start to see a devil in everything. And, um, and, and that's what people think of spiritual warfare. You know, trying to get the devil out of everything. And this old lady phoned our office and she said she's so happy that she could get a hold of our ministry. And uh, she watched it on television. And uh, she said she was so blessed after watching the DVD, the, uh, the DVD that she, of, of cleaning the house, she said well, she just wanted to drag a mattress outside the house and set the whole house on fire because there's basically a devil in everything. So that is not spiritual warfare, my friend. That to me is um, Satan stealing your stuff. He's stealing your table. He's stealing your television. He's stealing the portrait somebody gave you. He's stealing your stuff. And bringing unbelief to the body of Christ. That's what it does. It brings unbelief to the body of Christ. Where people don't believe in what Christ has done. Like Umpedi LaRue said, they asked him, Umpedi, what can I do? Umpedi LaRue was a guy, that, that uh, a preacher years ago in South Africa, that believed grace. They asked him, what shall I do to break this family curse over my life? He says, stop believing in it then will be broken. Because the power of it is you believing it. And that is what happens, is we get a wrong word, and the power that we possess as human beings, which is called faith, which is being dealt to every man, we use towards something that can just manifest so much death in your life, and people believe it, and through that faith, that negative thing finds power in their lives and in the nation. That's why the Bible says righteousness exalts a nation. But a message like that breaks a nation because people are just so sin conscious. And then they come with testimonies, you know. Well, I've got this testimony in my heart, you know, uh, um, and, and I've got this testimony that people came and, and they, they threw the thing out of, the stuff out of the house and then the fever of my child that was on my child broke and things are now going much better in my life because they've cast all this, 
The only reason why it worked is because you believed it. Because you believed if these things are thrown out, it will go better with your kids. That's the only reason why it worked. But it's got nothing to do with the cross of Jesus Christ. It's got nothing to do with what Jesus has done for us 2,000 years ago and who he is today and what will happen in the return. It's got nothing to do with that. So, uh, for those of you that are watching this for the first time, it's, it's clear. We, we're just going to read this quickly. It says here, um, from verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Many people are not strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. They are strong in Satan and in the power of Satan's might. You know, they're very strong in that. They know all the different curses there are. They know the strategy of Satan. We even find uh, a Christians going and they speak to Satanists to hear what Satan does so they can know how Satan works so they can plan against Satan. And then Satan comes with lies. Lie to them and keep them busy with some on, on some foolish road on the way nowhere being taught and educated by Satan. That's what people do. They, they will, demons will speak and talk, you know, and say, uh, you know, in a deep voice, say something. And, and then they say, well, remember that demon said that, that demon said that, that demon said that. Now they take that as knowledge from where we can operate as Christians. Since when is Satan the teacher of the church? Satan is not the teacher of the church. Circumstances are not the teacher of, is not the teacher of the church. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God, uh, that you may be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil. Now, if you can't, that word wiles is translated as the word lister, which actually speaks of lusts. So it says here, and I want to just translate directly uh, into English as it is in the Afrikaans Bible. It says, put on the, uh, the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand against the lust of the devil. Because there's a lust that he wants to work in the hearts of people. And that lust is that you can be, uh, to, to place a desire inside you to be like God by works. And that's the lust he wants to place in people. That's the way he works from the beginning. And that's the way he's going to work, that he works all the time. The Bible says, we are not ignorant of his devices or in other words, for devices, is his deception. We know how he deceives people. We know how he works. And if you go and read the, the, what, we, what we said on finances in Timothy, it is so clear. Where The next verse says, do these things so that you might heap up a good report in the bad times to come. So, there will be a time that comes where Satan wants to tempt you with do to become. So, let's live out of who we are. And that's what I want to say to you. Who you are, you're a person of love. You're a person of kindness. You're a person of goodness. You're a person flooded with temperance. And all those things, you are already flooded with that. Allow that just to flow out of your life. Because if you don't allow that, to flow out of your life, just naturally, as a revelation of who Christ is, what Satan will do is, he will come with the law and tell you, you must now manifest those things, and you can be tempted with the law. But if you just simply allow this good thing to flow out of you, because of what God has done, and give yourself to the gospel of grace, to the point of manifestation, Satan cannot come and tempt you with any law. Because it is already in your life. It's like, um, you know, we, we say that, you know, we will do what Jesus has done, 
you know, and I've said, heard that many times, I've preached it in, in times, you know, we will do what Jesus has done and more things we will do. And so many times we keep that in front of the church and say, you must do more than what Jesus done. Let me tell you, the body of Christ, globally, does more in, man, I tell you, in an hour than what Jesus did in his whole life concerning signs, wonders and miracles in the supernatural. It is just the way it is. We are doing more already. So we cannot be tempted with anything for we know who we are in Christ and we do see the manifestation already. So why will we be tempted? So uh, uh, where temptation comes in is where we don't see something. That's where the temptation comes in. That's a thing that Satan uses all the time. And that's what Paul said in, in, uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 6 to the rich. It says, give. And I want to use my own words so that in the time, in the future time, you will not be tempted by the devil. Because the devil's going to tempt you and he's going to say, oh yeah, you know, you haven't been giving. Because you have not been giving, now do this, do this, do this and do this. So that you can get more and be blessed and whatever. But we are free and God lives in us. If we don't see these things, then we are strong in the faith, um, like, like Jesus was, when he was in the desert, when he was tempted of Satan, when Jesus didn't see all the money, when he didn't see all the miracles, when he didn't see him being the son of God in human flesh, you know, when he didn't see he was ruling over everything, he didn't see all of that, then Satan came and tempted him. When he got hungry, when he got a desire to to do something or uh, for food, then Satan came and tempted him. So I want to say to you, as Christians, we allow the nature of God to live in us. So that we don't become hungry for good works. Because the good works is manifesting in our lives because of a revelation of Christ. We don't exclude good works from redemption. We are redeemed into these things. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Now, how are we created as born again people? We are created in Christ Jesus. We are not created uh, uh, by Christ Jesus. We are created in Christ. In other words, the way Christ was formed in His resurrection is how we were created. Who He is, is who we are. So we have been recreated and created in Him. How have, been we cre- how have we been created? We've been created in Christ Jesus unto or in good works which God has beforehand ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called the uncircumcision, by them which are called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants and the promises, having no hope and without God in this world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. So what he says is, we have been recreated in Christ unto good works. So that is what we have been created into. And if I come and I tell you, listen, Jesus simply forgiven your sins, you know, by, by taking away the law, and that is it, I'm just telling you half the truth. I want to tell you good news. As free as what the taking away of the law is, that's how free the new life 
in Christ is. And when we have this new life, and we walk in this new life, we will find much less temptation coming our way. When Jesus was in the desert, when He was hungry, then temptation came. When you start to become hungry for good works, is when temptation comes. And that temptation is, well, do this good work, do this good deed, and then you will be, um, uh, uh, you know, righteous before God, and you can prove your sonship. Now, in every one of our, our lives, there's going to be something where you find, well, you know, I feel like I'm short here, or I feel like I'm short there, I feel like I... And don't let Satan lie to you. Saying, you know, look at your works, and judge yourself by your works. We're not judging ourselves by our works. I hope you can hear what I'm trying to, um, to say here. The Bible says, let us go on to perfection. Let us understand this perfection and the finished work that Jesus Christ has done for us. It says also that we will have a spirit of knowledge and understanding in what we already are in and how it works and functions. So, let's know how this works and functions. Now, I know that what I'm preaching today um, are for the mature. Don't let this be a temptation to you or bring condemnation to your heart because you might look at your works. No, I'm not saying look at your works and through your works decide who you are. What I'm saying is when you get into the gospel of grace you will find the nature of God living in you and dwelling in you and manifesting in you. And that manifestation is also it happens through faith. The Bible says the righteousness of God is manifested from faith to faith. From what he believes to what we believe. So, this righteousness that's in us, our salvation, the peace in our hearts, comes by believing what Jesus Christ has done. In the same way, the manifestation of good things in our lives comes simply by believing what we have been redeemed into. He has redeemed us. He's redeemed the good life in us unto manifestation. Hallelujah. So, when we are in the spiritual war, it says, let's be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Amen. I'm strong in the power of His might. What is the power of His might? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. I've read this before. Um, It says, from verse 17... Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of who He is and what He's done. That the eyes of your understanding might be enlightened. That you may know what is, what you can expect from Him. That's, I'm just using my own words there. And what is the riches of His glory of His inheritance in the saints. What is the riches of the goodness of God that He inherited in you when He did it for you? And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us who believe according to the working of His resurrection power which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead? So, He says here that He wants us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His resurrection. Let's be strong in who Jesus is and in what we have been raised up into and how it works and how it functions. Because if we are strong in that, we will find that Satan cannot uh, condemn us, he cannot judge us, he cannot bring an accusation against us. 
Even if we don't see good works in our lives, we still stand by what God says about us. The same Jesus Christ stood when he didn't see all the manifested things in his life being in the desert. He said, I don't live by what manifests, but I live by what God says. So we don't live by what manifests, we live by what God says. But it will be stupid for Satan to try and bring in something to, like say to Bertie, Brit saying, well Bertie, you're not preaching the gospel, you should preach the gospel. You know, if you're a son of God, you'll be preaching the gospel. <laughs> He'll just be wasting his time because I will not even hear that voice for I'm preaching the gospel all the time. It's like the one person said to me, Bertie, you know, you must keep the Sabbath. I said to him, now how do you keep the Sabbath? He says, no, you go to church and you, you know, but on the Saturday. I said, every day I preach the gospel, most of the time. Every day I study the word. Every day I'm busy counseling people. Every day I'm sharing the gospel. So that cannot be a temptation unto me, for I see God manifest in that area. There's no hunger, there's no need in that area. It it cannot happen. It's impossible. For we are given over to the gospel of grace, the point of manifestation. Thank you, Jesus. We're not trying to manifest anything. And I just want to repeat myself. We're not trying to manifest any good works. But I want to tell you, we've been saved. We have been saved. God has created us. We In Christ Jesus, we have been created unto good works. We've been deceived, thinking that we are saved unto not going to hell. And that's all. And now, being very grateful to God that He has saved us from hell, we will pay back by good works. That is not the gospel. That is deception. We're not trying to pay back by good works. <laughs> That's not what we try to do. We are strong in the power of His might. We are strong in the resurrection power, knowing that we are people that liberally live a good life. Out of freedom, we live a good life. Because that is who we are. We can't help. That is what we do. The only thing that Satan can have against us is by deceiving us, thinking that we've not been saved unto those things. It's more difficult to sin than what it is to live holy. Let me say it again. It's more difficult to live contrary to who you are than living who you are. It's like Elena. You know, she loves to, to be creative. Um, to, to make beautiful things. It's just the way she is. For her not to do that is almost impossible. It is who she is. When it comes, when I look at her and when it comes to her and me, she will always defend me. It's the way she is. She stands for the good news and she, and she protects me. For her not to protect me and not to support me would be so difficult because that is who she is. It comes naturally. It's just the way it is. And to, to walk outside of that would be difficult because we have been redeemed and saved unto something. And to get rid of that is almost impossible. The only way that we can get rid of that or not manifest that is being deceived in our minds. Believing something else concerning who we are. And then once we believe something else, we will see an absence of good works. And that's what Satan wants. And when we see an absence of good works, he will try and sell us a system to get the good works. 
And when he sells us a system to get to good works, we will see more evil in our lives. And that will preach to us and tell us we are not anything that God says about us. And we'll start to doubt God. And that is a time when we will have to stand strong, not seeing, but believing. Amen. So I'm not disqualifying any person that doesn't see any good works. When you don't see good works in certain areas of your life, there's good works I don't see in certain areas of my life. But in that area where I don't see the good work, I thank God that I am not ignorant of the way Satan works and I am not going to fall for what he tries to preach to me through that situation where he says, Batty, you are not righteous because you see this and this and this negative thing in your life. I'm not going to fall because I don't live by what I see. I live by what God says about me. And when I believe what God says about me, I will see a manifestation that I've been saved unto that manifestation as well. It is part of the gospel. Thank you, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And then we will see the perfection of that in Jesus. That's why Paul wrote about this because there will be some place in your life where the devil will come and he will say to you, listen, my friend, you know, in your heart you are not righteous because you don't see this, this, this and this. Amen. Right. It says, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand against the lust of Satan. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness or of the law of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So he talks about Satan here. Our war is against a certain belief system. So um, our war is not against the, the government. A war is not against people that want to implement abortion. A war is not against people. A war is against what that situation wants to make us believe. That's what our war is against. It's against believing a wrong word. Because uh, 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 Satan preaches through certain situations and circumstances as well. So he says here, we wrestle uh, not against flesh and blood. So what he was saying is, look at what you believe. The attack is towards your belief system. He says, that's why we take on the whole armor of God that we may be able to withstand in the evil day. Remember that word evil is the word uh, in the Greek that says, the, the day that's full of labors and hard work. Amen that we may be able to withstand against the day when we are bombarded with annoyances and hard works. There will be a day when that can, having done all, to stand. So, we just want to stand in the liberty that Christ has given us. We don't want to stand against, uh, we, we stand against this thing. We don't want to stand in hard works. What Satan comes, his attack is trying to give you hard work and labors. And I want to come back because this is a very unique thing that I've said here. When we see the manifestation of the Spirit in our lives, and let's go to Galatians again and, and, and use this. I want you to get, get to this. The temptation of Satan is to get you to do good works to be blessed. Okay? And where he tempts you is where you will fall short. 
there He will come and tell you, do these five things to get to that. If you don't fall short, how will He come and even tempt you? It will be impossible. But when He comes, we know we don't live by what manifests in our lives, but by what God says about us. Now, if we go to Galatians chapter 5, and 19 it says, But the fruit of belief in Jesus Christ, and not making our demand on our works to be saved, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Now, when Satan comes, he tempts you and say, you can get love, you can get joy, you can get peace, you can get long-suffering, if you just do these ten things. Or, you must start to love people more. Or, you must start to smile more. Or, you must have more peace. That's how he comes with that voice. And then He'll give you the ten things you must do in order to get to that place and to the righteousness that those good works provide. But if you have love, if you have joy, if you have peace, if you have long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness and temperance, which is for free, it is a gift. How can He come and tempt you now with these things? For it is evident in your life. That's why I want to say it this way. It's much easier to live free from condemnation, believing in what Christ has done, seeing the manifestation. Let me, let me use different words. It's much, you are much less tempted of Satan if you take the full package as a free gift instead of taking just forgiveness of sins. Saying, well, and then I want to qualify forgiveness of sins because forgiveness of sins is actually much more than, 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 than what I'm trying to say here. Forgiveness of sins is the removal of the law system that we stand righteous before God um, through just one man, with the righteousness of one man, Jesus Christ. But if we come and we only think forgiveness of sins is God simply not angry with me when I do wrong things. That is true. But if you want to make that the fullness of forgiveness, my friend, then you're going to struggle all the time with condemnation. We don't have to walk in condemnation for Christ has given us a new life. Hallelujah. Amen. If I come and I say to you, you've been set free from poverty, um, you know, hallelujah, I've said, you set free from, I've paid all your debt for you. You don't have any debt anymore. So you've had a lot of debt. You lived in a house, somebody else's house. I say to you, listen, I've paid all your debt. Now you still live in somebody else's house, but you just simply don't have any debt. But you still walk where you want. You still have to walk for you don't have a car. You, you, you don't have money for clothes. You've got nothing, but I've written off your debt. Do you know what? You will still feel guilty and tempted to have a, a car. You will still feel tempted to have new clothes and everything. But if I tell you, listen, I've written off all your debt and I've provided for you ample. In Christ Jesus, you know, I've provided for you that you don't need more clothes, you don't need a car, you need no things, you will never be tempted to steal a car. For you've got your own car. In the same way with good works and spiritual war. That's why that scripture is so important that we are powerful in in the power of His might, in the power of His resurrection. For included, if you can believe that you've been forgiven for free, my friend, 
you can also believe because it's the same word and included into that that you've been you've received the manifestation of the person of God in your life as a free gift. Don't be deceived anymore. Continue and live your free life. Hallelujah. Amen. And you know, I, while I preach this, I can just feel uh, uh, in my mind that there, there might be people there out there that say, I don't understand this. I feel condemned. Why do you feel condemned? No, because I come short year and year and year. Now that is the attack of the devil wanting to tell you you're not righteous because of your works. Resist him, man. You're not righteous because of what you do. And don't let the absence of good works give Satan a foothold in your life. All you do is, when you see that absence, you say, well, I don't, this absence of this good work doesn't mean that I've not been made righteous, and it doesn't mean that that good work is not part of the package of what I believe. I, I believe that the manifestation of that good work has also been given to me as a gift, and that, that, that doesn't mean I'm righteous or not righteous. If I see the good works manifesting in my life, the good works manifesting in my life is not a sign that I am now the righteousness of God. Because there are people that don't believe in Jesus also manifest good works. We, as Christians, when we see good works manifesting in our life, we know the origin of that. We know it comes from God. And we know it's so much an easier life, for we are not tempted. It's like giving, you know. If I am rich, and I freely give, and I don't give from a law perspective, but out of the outflow of my heart, Always having a readiness, not out of my own willpower, but a readiness that is born out of the nature of God that indwells me, and I freely give. How will I be tempted by Satan saying, well, you're not a giver, you must not give? He can't tempt me. It's impossible. Because I am, uh, I've taken up the, the breastplate of righteousness. I've taken up the mind of salvation. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. But what I want to say is this, and you must know this as well, is that in this world where we don't see this, where we don't see perfection, there will be a place where Satan wants to come and condemn you. In my own life, and I'm a preacher of the gospel of grace, there's times when I, uh, um, you know, feel, you know, when I, going to Zambia now, you know, there was just times when I feel I didn't want to go. I don't want to go there. Why? Because it's a struggle. It's a struggle. You get on an aeroplane here. You, um, we fly from here to, to, to Johannesburg. There we connect to, to Lusaka. You get to Lusaka. You, the moment you get out there, I don't know if, if some of you people have ever traveled third world countries. The moment you get out there, people want to steal from you. It's just the way it is. They want to steal from you. You must protect everything. You're always looking for where they want to steal because they'll steal all the time. You know, it's like in Nigeria and, and, and in the Congo. If you get out of the aeroplane and you go to the, to the hotel, they will follow you to the hotel having legal documents that's fake, telling you, coming in police uniform, telling you you still owe them this money and this money and this money and this money. And then they will take the, they will take the money from you, then the next officer will come also with something like that. And they will say, you st- but, but those other people, they were crooks. We are the real people. You must pay us or we're going to lock you up. And who want to sit in the jail in the Congo? 
or in a jail in Nigeria. <laughs> Nobody. You know, so it's not that bad in Zambia, but th- that's a type of thing that there is all the time. You know, then you get on a bus, you know, that uh, most of them don't have air conditioning and the windows can't open and there's 80 people in there and you travel for 10 hours. And then you get on a little boat with three people, you know, must sit in a small space like this, three of them. Some of the, most of the time, you, you're hanging over the side getting wet uh, because the boat wants to fall over all the time. You travel like that for eight or ten hours. You know, and thank God for, for, for this pastor Jerry, but then, so, in the past, you get to a, to, to a place like that and, the, and that pastor there on the other side, he's got one thing in his mind, it's the money you can give him because he, doesn't, he hasn't arranged anything. He just said he had, he didn't, didn't arrange anything. So, the, I mean, we've been traveling like that for years. And this is actually the, the more luxurious way of traveling. We've traveled struggling much more than that. So, in our mind, in my mind as well, you know, it comes to, I don't want to go there. And then Satan wants to come and he wants to tempt me and say, say to me, well, if you, don't want to, uh, if you don't want to go there, you don't have a heart for the lost. So you must start to work up a heart for the lost, my friend. There's something wrong with you. You start to start look for the mistake. Then I know it's the voice of the devil and I rebuke him. By saying, well, I will not live by how many people I lead to Jesus. My righteousness and my emotion before God is not based on how many people I lead to Jesus or if, they've, if I've been abused or not. If I preach the gospel or not. I am what He says I am and I stand having the, 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 the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness on all the time. Amen. But, let me put it this way. If I did not have that emotion in my heart, Satan couldn't tempt me there. He couldn't. Because, that he, because where, why will he, where will he find anything? But thank God that I do have that breastplate of righteousness. I do have the shield of faith for I believe in what God says about me. Amen. I've, I've seen people, you know, struggle. Um, they struggle with, with pornography. They struggle with, with stealing. They, they, they struggle with a lot of things. Christian people. You know, lying, cheating, all those type of things. And they live in a condemnation that cannot be... You you can't imagine the condemnation they live in. Struggling with alcohol. Uh, um, And the condemnation. Those people, even if they struggle with, 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 with those things, they are the righteousness of God. God has set them free. God has liberated them in Christ Jesus. But what they see manifest in their life shout so loud that it's difficult to hear what God says. And it's difficult for them. They need constant, constant uh, uh, affirmation and people helping them, speaking to them, helping them, telling them who they are in Christ. They can believe. Pointing out the cross for them, helping them. And as they believe that, they start to see a change in their life and they start to feel a peace in their hearts. Maybe you're struggling with that. And I'm not condemning any person that struggles with that. I tell every person, man, if you are addicted to drugs, I tell you, and you believe in Jesus, I want to tell you the righteousness of God. There's your righteousness and my righteousness, there's no difference. The righteousness that you have as a person that struggles with smoking or stealing or whatever, I want to tell you, you've got the same righteousness as the resurrected Christ. If you're a believer in Jesus. And you would say, Bertie, but it can't be. And that is the voice of Satan speaking to you, my friend. Hallelujah. All I'm saying is, let's take the whole package. It's a much easier life. 
Let's not take half the thing because Satan has come and, and you have co- you, you've come and you tell yourself that I cannot be, uh, uh, th- that it couldn't be that God included in that package freedom from this thing and freedom from that thing. It can't be. And now you want to live in a lie. God has set us completely free. You know, let's walk in our freedom. Our manifestation of freedom is not our license to heaven. Hallelujah. Our, our, our license to heaven and our license to the new life in Christ is Jesus, the man. Hallelujah. That is, that, that is our license. And then we can also have a manifestation of who He is in our lives. That manifestation is not our license. He is our license. But when we see that manifestation in our lives, it is wonderful. It is glorious. It is part of the package. It's part of what Christ has given you. We take it all. Thank you, Jesus, for that. That is what we manifest. That's why um, I I don't want to allow anything to be in my life that's not supposed to be there. Because Jesus Christ paid such an expensive price for me. Thank you, my God. I don't want to allow bitterness in my heart. For part of the package that He paid for was for me to be set free. Now, how don't I allow bitterness in my heart? I am not going to allow any law system in my heart that can produce that bitterness. I'll make a thorough study of the gospel of grace. Meditate, ponder upon, make my stand in the gospel. As we make our stand, ponder upon, think upon the gospel of grace. We find a manifestation in our lives. Amen. So, I'm not going to say, well, I'm going to live a holy life to protect the gospel of grace. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying, let's live a holy life to protect the gospel of grace. That's the law. What I'm saying is, God has given you a a new life, including good works. And let's not exclude good works. Let's not exclude the manifestation of the nature of God in our lives. It's more of an effort. I want to say this again. It's more of an effort to see sin in your life and wrong things in your life than what it is. Let's not use sin. It's more of an effort to see the works of the flesh in your life than what it is to see good works in your life. Let's not use the word sin because people might misunderstand the thing. It's more of an effort for a born again believer to, be, to see bad works or the works of the flesh in his life, and why is to see good works? So why make the effort and go through all the effort to see what is negative when the whole the whole thing is included in Christ? You've got to by willpower push out what is good and include and uh, uh, what what is bad and go and cut away from the gospel of grace. It's like in the area of finances. So many times people say bad people speak a lot about finances. Do you know why I speak a lot about it? Because I'm led by the Holy Spirit to speak on that. For there's such a great need in this world for people to be set free from the condemnation of tithing and sowing and reaping and the judgment message that has been that, that excludes people from the blessing of God. And people need it all the time. And it's a very practical thing that comes, that, that, that includes every area of your life. For where you stay, what you wear, where you go, money includes every area there. And I want to tell you, you don't have to seek for generosity. It has been given to you. It's a free gift. You can live who you are. Amen. You don't have to be manipulated to get more. For all things have been given unto you. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Jesus, for that. My friend, our spiritual war is to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His resurrection. That is what He has come to set us free free to. And I hope you understand what I've been saying. Um, you know, sometimes it's difficult to, to articulate these things. Like Paul says here in verse 19, he says, um, he says in verse 18, Praying always that with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplications for all the saints, and pray for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. You know, so I thank God that utterance has been given to me so that you can understand this, what I'm trying to say to you. Because this is an awesome, awesome revelation that we can be strong in the Lord and this is our spiritual war. Don't let, don't let any message exclude anything and any part of the nature of God that is, that is yours. For we have been saved. We, when He paid for us, according to Galatians, we have been saved like it says here, um, I don't know where I've read it now. I mean, we have been saved from, from, the, from the law system, we've been saved from the flesh and the fruit thereof. Thank you, Jesus. What I would like you to do is just, uh, um, right there where you are, um, just close your eyes and see the perfection of Christ concerning good works and the nature of God in your spirit. See it there. See that, that, that all those good things is the fruit of believing the gospel of grace. Wherever you see a shortcoming, know that that shortcoming is not a proof of the absence of righteousness in your life. You have been made righteous. I want you to thank God for all that's good that He's given you. Including long-suffering. That we don't have to work for those things. We don't have to try to manifest those things. It is ours. Father, I want to thank you that the nature of God has been included into this package. And that we can be strong in the power of your resurrection. For who you are is who we are. And thank you that we don't have to try to manifest any of the things of the nature of God in our lives. But that we can also say the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the power that recreated me into the very image of who Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Manifesting the person of God in me. And we are strong in that. Thank you, Father, that whenever Satan comes trying to point to mistakes and telling us that mistake is a sign or a shortcoming, that is, that is a sign of absence of righteousness and we need to do good works to get there, we can say, I rebuke you, Satan, for I believe that that good work has been included in Christ and I have got long suffering to see the manifestation of that good work in my life and it shall manifest. And even if it doesn't manifest in this life, my righteousness is the resurrected Christ. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, thank you so much that you've watched this live broadcast. I know that you have been blessed. It can be challenging to some of you. 
um, you know, but grab a hold of this, go and study this out. And um, if you've got anything that you want to write to me concerning this, please write to me. We will only answer your mail once we're back. Um, Janet, the secretary, is here, so she will give you just a just a, a, a reply that you did that we did receive your mail. But uh, just be patient; we're going to be away for two weeks. Thank you for uh, for that. And um, know this one thing: that God loves you unconditionally. That this good news of the gospel is for you. There's no condemnation. I just feel this freedom in my heart, you know, at the moment that we have been redeemed unto the very person of God and that there's a whole package that we can partake in. Thank you for this. Remember this one thing. You can always enjoy the love of God. Amen.